and Cowboy Cole Robertson. Hello and welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Straker. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your tits. Uh, my name is Aaron. I am also one of your tits. And once again, we are a we are a tri tit. Tri tit for the for the uh, fourth time in the last as many weeks. Yeah, yeah. We've we've become a tri tit podcast. It's pretty amazing. This week we're joined by a special guest, uh, comedian, rodeo cowboy, professional rodeo cowboy. Hell yeah! Uh, fucking uh, announcer, like uh, Jesus Christ, you do a million things. From right outside of the city, good old Okotoks, Cowboy Cole Robertson, everybody. <laughs> Thank you all for coming in here today. Um, it's been phenomenal. Our live studio and audience. Our live studio audience. Internal. All 37 of them. Yeah. Amazingly, we fit 37 people behind the camera. I'm holding up the clap sign. Clap. <laughs> clap now. This has all been pre-written. Yeah. yeah. I can't read very well. It's, it's, it's totally scripted. Or every episode is totally scripted. Honestly, it was funny because I did a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago with someone, uh, and it still hasn't come out yet, but the, the person was like, yeah, so how much work do you do like before you do your podcast? Because you guys seem to like keep on track. And I was like, I don't know. Like We, we prepare like three to four hours each week, and they're like, Oh, you prepare before the podcast? And I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm like, that's part of doing a podcast. Yeah. We have to actually listen to the music we're going to talk about. Yeah, which that's a big one is listening to the album like three to four times mm -hmm. and then doing all the research on the album and research on the guests. That's like uh, that's the three things yes. that we have to do and when there's no guests. It's honestly a little bit harder because we don't get to fill time with just asking people questions about uh, mm -hmm. what they're up to. I was actually familiar with you because I saw that video that you had that went viral where you roped the cop's leg. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, that was my first introduction to you. I don't know how long ago that was, but that was 2021. Nice, damn, that, cop. that was a long time ago now. Yeah, that was a that was a while. I think that was the year that we met. Was it not 20 or was it 2020? Um, actually, sorry, 2022 is when I healed the cop. Okay, yeah, because uh, fuck, what year did we meet? It was during the pandemic. I know that. It was like when shit was like on and off again, locking down. Yeah. Because you uh, were doing comedy, uh, and that was like when we first met was at uh, the Fishbowl yeah. Terror Show you had yeah. that night. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, Cafe Koi back back when that was yep. Cafe Koi. Mm. Dude, so I love that place. That place was fucking there, amazing. Was so Honestly, it's such a bummer how many venues in the city like are gone now or have like completely changed to the point where they're unrecognizable well, before we came in here we were talking about tea house and i mean you know yeah. comedy monday night's a whole different thing now oh yeah a whole different can of worms but yeah we were talking about the tea house because i saw you perform at the tea house for that rodeo benefit you put on yeah last summer right uh yeah uh last february last for february. uh last yeah february there you go yeah sandy cooper black yeah Fucking shout out to Sandy Cooper. He's Sandy Cooper. doing fucking great now. He's uh, everything I've seen. He's he's uh, honestly like uh, doing a lot better. And his mom sent me a really nice message this summer. Uh, 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 thanking me again for that. I forgot to respond to it. It was. Uh, I, I, <laughs> You're an asshole. I'm responding now. <laughs> I'm responding now on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for the message, Glennis. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was honestly such a fucking fun show too. That. Uh, it was huge, man, and uh, that was the first time I did ten minutes. Yeah, had an absolute blast. Like, shout out Spencer. This guy's <laughs> giving me so many opportunities on a mic down here. It's been awesome. Cause I like, come and go. Like I was explaining to Aaron, like I'm about an hour from from even here, right? So, yeah. Like, 
um, sometimes it's a chore to come to downtown mm-hmm. Calgary. Well, and especially like with the amount of shit that you have going on too, because yeah. like something that we should mention right off the bat, you filled your pro card this year. You finally like got your permit filled, yeah. uh, which is huge. Cause that's, uh, I know like, you know, not personally, cause I didn't, I, I, I never went pro, but like, I know how much of a big deal that is because it's, uh, especially an event like, uh, in the timed event end, because there's a fucking million of you guys, right? So it's, yeah. it's way harder to get that thousand dollars in in a season uh than it is if you're in like say the bareback riding you know where there's 20 guys you you stay on at two rodeos you're probably going to fill your permit uh whereas you know in the timed event and it's so much uh way way more intense of a competition in terms of like number of competitors but then also i would say the quality of uh, competitors is also insane because look at how many guys are like uh doing pro rodeos and jackpots and stuff and and so they're constantly roping it's non-stop and the yeah. other thing too like a difference maker that i've really noticed between rough stock and timed event is you could be the most talented guy with the rope but if you're not mounted on the right horse you are going to get beat yeah everywhere by people who are just riding better horses than you Oh, totally. And and the other thing is, too, is you have to, like, in the team roping, you have to, uh, team roping the steer wrestling, you have to have faith in the guy that you're working with, too, yeah. and his horse. And so it's like you you have so many other factors that are involved. Don't get me wrong. I have, I have my gripes with the rough stock event with, and with, you know, like, judging. I feel like now they're throwing 90s out like it's fucking you need to explain some of this okay so like i'm a fucking like i'm a fucking three-year-old actually that's a that's a good point we should uh so uh so uh like uh cole does the uh timed event and so that's like roping so that's uh team roping tie down roping steer wrestling uh breakaway roping uh so basically the the whole point in that end is to be as quick as you can while making a clean run so you're you're waiting for the uh calf or the steer to break the barrier before you run through yeah, there's different penalties you can pick up if you kind of don't go step by step what's kind of, kind of a goal time like if you had to pick a goal time for i don't know what specific this is, event this is the cool part each rodeo is different okay but if you, if you were to go to an event like we'll just use uh the canadian finals rodeo mm-hmm. it's six rounds so you get to rope six times if you qualify for this event but it's the same setup every night you get to watch the calves go a couple times and we'll say, like at the CFR, if you could go out and be anywhere from seven five to eight five in the calf roping seconds, mm-hmm. you're gonna win a lot of money. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. And it's crazy because, like, when you look at it from like the rough stock end, you watch uh, people riding Bronx and bulls, and eight seconds feels like fucking forever when you're watching it in in that mm-hmm. setting, right? But when you're watching it in the calf roping, eight seconds feels like it goes by like that, like it's super quick. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then uh, the other side of the arena is the rough stock end, where that's you know bronc riding, yeah. bull riding. That was what I did uh, when I competed, and that is judged out of a uh, hundred. So you have fifty points that goes to the stock and how uh, hard they buck, how you know basically the difficulty of the stock mm-hmm. and 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 what they're putting out. And then the other fifty percent comes from how good you do as a rider. Interesting. So you can only control really half your score. You can only control half your score. That's fascinating. But now what we're seeing in the rough stock events, specifically in the uh, in the bronc riding and the bareback riding, we're seeing a lot of scores that I feel like 10 years ago would have been in the high 70s. And they're now the low 90s. Uh, There's there's guys that are like uh, missing a few licks in the saddle bronc riding. So licks is like you're spurring. So you get more points if you're keeping in time with the animal and mm-hmm. you're uh, in the bronc riding, the bareback riding, if your f- heels of uh, your boots are above their shoulders yep. before their front feet hit the ground, 
and then you pull back as they go up and then you you do it again reset again yeah and you're basically trying to keep in time and it does actually help you with getting a better score not just because it looks better but because it helps pick up a lot of horses like there's a lot of bucking horses who like as soon as they feel that that makes them want to jump again and it makes them like honestly it makes them a lot better i've seen horses that are rank as hell but they have a shit out because the guy that's riding them can't ride worth a shit um so uh so the problem is now we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of I would say in the saddle bronc riding you see it a little bit more where there's guys that will miss licks like they'll get behind on a horse mm-hmm. and then they'll be in the high 80s to low 90s and you never would have seen that uh, 10 no, years ago. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. So my question for you then, Cole, is like where, where do you go like circuit wise? How far are you traveling? Where are you where, like what's your schedule like? If you're doing a rodeo circus, like give me a, like a weekly breakdown or something. I'm just curious what sort of traveling you're doing. And Big time. So our pro rodeo season up here starts in April at Medicine mm-hmm. Hat. Um, and there's a few kind of throughout that early, early spring into the late spring. And then starting June, man, it's game on. Like we would leave on um, usually Thursday, sometimes a Wednesday. Like the Wainwright Slack is always, everybody runs one Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be there, right? And then your whole weekend starts from there. Um, so we'll go to five, six rodeos in a weekend from Thursday to Sunday. Nice. And it's just full game on. And um, the farthest west I went this year was out to Williams Lake, BC mm-hmm. over the July long weekend, which, man, that's the first time I ever went out to that rodeo. It was sick. That like, is a I crazy cool rodeo. There, man. Like huge. Everything was built out of huge timber framing and everything like that. The arena, the stands, everything. It was beautiful, man. It looked like one massive log home. <laughs> but we bucked bulls and jerked down. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. That was Super cool. Yeah. And then uh, the farthest east you can go mm. is out to Morris, Manitoba for the mm-hmm. pro rodeo circuit. But like all the CCA rodeos, man, all of our amateur associations, you could go into BC. You could literally go, you could be pulling your Montana circuit card and going down to Montana. It honestly just depends how much cash you have and, yeah. and how hard you want to go. And and that's the other thing too, is it's kind of like, it's kind of like comedy where you can do your own. It's It's honestly, it's a lot like comedy for a lot of reasons. But one of them is like, you kind of how 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 often you're out there is kind of up to you nice, and yeah. and how much of a pace you set is up to you um when i was uh, rodeoing back in the day so the cca which is the like largest semi-professional association it used to be insane like guys would be pulling like twenty thousand dollars a year just riding semi-pro mm-hmm. and so like you would be able to go to like 60 to 80 rodeos in a summer at, at a semi-pro level, which was great. And now it's much less like it's, it's kind of uh, disappointing watching how, how the CCA has dipped in the last few years. But a big part of that, I think honestly is because they, they took the finals out of Regina. I, I think that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've seen that decline out here too. Like, you know, growing up, going to the amateur rodeos when I was in high school and everything, when I turned 16, I was able to drive myself and, um, I would literally make a living going to jackpots and amateur rodeos. Yeah. You know, like it was crazy. I don't honestly, I look back on it. I'm like, I don't really know how I pulled off any of it. But, <laughs> you know, I didn't rodeo with a business mindset back then. I rodeoed to rodeo and have fun with my friends and, and for the love of the sport. Mm-hmm. And now looking at it from a business standpoint, I'm like, how the fuck does anybody do anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's so funny too, because I, uh, something that I heard from, uh, 
uh, a podcast I was listening to with Jeremy Bueller, and he's uh, he's a, a Canadian team roper that won the World Finals in 2017. He's uh, world champion team roper. That's cool. Which yeah. was super cool. And he, he looked kind of like uh, Chris Stapleton. He's got a big fucking beard. Nice. And uh, uh, he had long, scraggly hair for a while, too. So he, he looked like he looked like a fucking drifter. He is a healing wizard. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's fast as fuck. Uh, but he uh, he was talking in a podcast about how anybody that wants to get into it, he tells them don't go into the pros because it, it costs you more money and you don't make nearly as much money as you would if you were doing just jackpot ropings. Um, because like there is so much money involved in it. Like then, and especially with team roping, cause you have like the world series of team roping, which is again, like there's what, like seven or eight different categories. Yeah. Uh, and then the open as well. So yeah. you have like, you have so many chances to, to make money at it. Yeah. And what the categories are. So when you go to rope at a team roping jackpot, you as an athlete are numbered based off of how well you rope. Um, and it's all, it's on a tier of 10 being the best in the world, one being I'm brand new. Mm -hmm. And so there's different categories. So there's an open, which is anybody can open it, but it's for the best of the best. Yeah. And then there's 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. And you have to fit within that category. So if Spencer's a five and I'm a six, we can enter the 11 or the 12. We can, you can go up in category, but you can't go down. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm just getting like a full crash so, course. Yeah. Here. yeah. Spencer was saying there's uh, there's a lot of money to be one of these jackpots. The World Series of Team Roping is about to kick off in Vegas. And to go win the number 10 roping down there, you're, it's probably going to pay $200,000 a man. Wow. To win that roping. It'll cost you $2,500 to enter it. Yeah. That's a pretty good might, return, though. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. There's so many ways to win, too. Like, you could go out on your first year, knock two down really well. And get into the incentive round, so you go run a third one anyway. Now you've placed in this average, and you still won seventy five hundred. Your you know your weeks paid for, whatever mm -hmm. it made it worth the trip and shit. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, I didn't know like some of the the ins and outs of like I've seen. I've gone to the Stampede. I've sat and watched the rodeo. Um, not really know what the fuck's going on. I'm just drinking <laughs> beer and having fun, right? Uh, but that's uh, cool to learn the ins and outs a little bit because I know like I've known Spencer since I don't know like twenty sixteen. Yeah. Right? So that was pretty much fresh when you came. Pretty much, you were still living, just coming from that lifestyle. Yeah, right? I think I was. I was four years out of yeah. of rodeoing. I had. I had kind of. Yeah, because like my my big thing was uh, the year that I uh, applied for my permit to do novice in the CPRA, uh, which is the Canadian Pro Rodeo Association. Yeah. Uh, that was the year that I got all fucked up and, and broke my nose, my vertebrae, my fucking arm, just mm -hmm. a, a fuck of a wreck on a practice horse too. So like they couldn't even it, <laughs> like, worst. it was the worst. And, and I don't know if you, do you know, Tim Lipset? Uh, uh yeah. yeah. So, uh, PBR bull rider, uh, he was at this, at this bucking horse school too. And, uh, my nose was off to the side. And he's like, he comes up to me and he's like, oh man, I can fix that. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah. And he snapped my nose into place. But now if you look, one of my nostrils is smaller than the other because he fucking <laughs> snapped it at an angle. So now I breathe funny at night, uh, and it, <laughs> which, which is kind of a, a pain in the ass. But, uh, but I remember it was when I was like, uh, it was when I was 16, I, I got on my first uh, movie set like a few weeks after that. And I was like, Oh fuck! I don't really want to go back to possibly making money for doing something dangerous. Like I'd rather have the guaranteed paycheck for yeah. for something, which is funny because most people that enter the film industry do not think about it for the guaranteed paycheck. Yeah, but I was no. like, <laughs> usually that's funny. Like 
the the stamina you have in different parts of your life when you come from the way we grew up. Yeah. Like, uh, have you listened to the Joe Rogan Dale Brisby podcast? Yeah. So when when Joe asked Dale, you know, have you ever tried stand up? And Dale was like, oh, it's kind of my white buffalo. Like, would love to try. A little bit scared. It's funny because in my mind, every time before I go on stage, I'll tell myself, I'm like, dude, you have missed more high call cattle high calls when you come back mm-hmm. to run one more steer and you're you're the best team out of everybody all you gotta do is catch this motherfucker yeah. you win all the money i've missed more of those cattle and costed myself and my partner more money than and that hurts way more than if i go on that stage and nobody laughs mm-hmm. you know what i mean like, yeah it really sets you up to take on some hardship and be like this ain't that bad because when i was six years old i watched my dad put down our family dog yeah so you know, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it's a different mentality. Right? It's yeah. it's totally a different mentality, and like I, I feel like uh, uh, like for myself, like I have the same sort of idea going into it. Where, uh, you know, any time that I get on stage, it can't possibly be worse than the worst time that I had bull riding. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it literally cannot be. Wor- the audience isn't gonna curb stomp my face. You it's know, true. Uh, yeah. more likely than not, they're not gonna curb stomp my face. Like depends on what you say. Though. It you depends on what know. I say. You never yeah. know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but but like but like nine times out of ten, that's not yeah. gonna happen. You know. Uh, but it is, it is funny. So now I have a random question for you because I I know you've worked the time to vent ends, but did did you ever do rough stock or? Uh, my dad was a bareback rider, so I grew up riding the spur board. And oh, like shit. And being groomed to ride bareback horses. I uh, went to my first Johansson Brothers steer riding school when I was nine. Yeah. And was just started getting on cows. Hated it. Really? Did not like it. Actually, I didn't mind riding. It was getting down in the chute, man. I hated getting down in those wild bitches and then mashing you around. And yeah. Freaking rearing up and... I hated that part. Well, and I also think that there's something to be said for like the cows, specifically like what they what they've been using with like fucking rodeos for steer riding for the last I don't know like 15 years. Yeah, I'm more scared of a lot of those Brahma cows than I yeah. am of bulls because like they're mean as shit. They're smaller in the shoot, so like they it's easier to toss you around in the shoot because that's mm-hmm. the other thing. Like the shoot is the most dangerous place to be in for sure. Like it, as soon as the gate opens you're eliminating so much risk because well, it, make, it makes sense. Cause yeah, you're like, you're going into an open area instead of a confined space, yeah. right? It makes sense. And, and like, I've seen so many guys like fall underneath an animal and then they have to run and fucking crack the latch open. Mm. Uh, speaking of Tim Lipset, uh, we were at a bucking horse school and he broke his arm because he was getting his hand into a rigging and keep in mind, he also did this wrong. He wasn't sitting off side of the horse. So like when you're when you're getting on like a bareback horse, yeah. because the rigging is solid, you want to sit like so that one your riding arm side of your body is like on that side of the horse. Yeah. So that if the horse flips over, it goes that way and then you can pull yourself up. But he was sitting like this. And so this horse flipped over and his rigging went right into his chest and he's trapped underneath this horse. And uh, so they had to like run over and like open the gate. And then he's like trying to get his hand out frantically as this horse is trying to get up, which is the worst place to be in. Cause like, it's not bad if you hang up to a bucking horse, like in the arena, because like you can stay on your feet, you can, you know, pull yourself up. There's people out there to fucking stop the horse. You're fine. But being stuck underneath it, there's not really a way to get yourself out of there easily. Um, So, yeah, no. So then then so you did you did some cow riding and then did you uh, get on any bucking horses or I never did. All my friends roped. Uh, My grandpa roped everything like that. All my cousins roped. So I eventually just kind of went down to that end of the arena. And I mean, I always grew up with a rope in my hand, jacking around, roping the dummy and and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I did want to get on bareback horses when i was going to school in new mexico 
I was down there. Uh, Cody Lamb, who's one of the best bareback riders in Canada. And a really good country story. artist, too. And phenomenal country artist. Yeah. And so they the Chris Ledoux of our generation. He is. Yeah, <laughs> he is. 100 is. Yeah. It's very. It's really cool to see, and I hope. I hope other people are paying attention because. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll take off musically when he decides he wants to put more time into that than he does working out in Spur and Bronx. Yeah. But um, yeah. So he had some really good practice horses around there that Coach had for him, and I was like, fuck yeah. So I like started getting back into the gym heavy and like working out, and I was like gonna get my body ready, blah blah blah. But then I was dating this girl racer from Weatherford, dude, and she was. Not about Cowboy Cole getting on a <laughs> <laughs> She wasn't even about Cowboy Cole fucking hanging out with friends, let alone getting And I mean, at that age, as a freaking 21, 22 year old thinking with my small head, not my big head, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah no, babe, you're right, I guess. <laughs> Which honestly, I, I I gotta say, I think dating barrel racers is more dangerous than riding bulls. I just <laughs> <It> <laughs> was, throw it, it out really there. Mm. But did you know that barrel racing is actually the most dangerous event in rodeo? Dealing with their mothers or what? No, it's because uh, every year thousands of people die in the mad rush to the beer gardens. <laughs> Don't be Sixteen tramplings at the local rodeo today. <laughs> I picture them as like the dance moms of rodeo is kind of oh, the vibes yeah. I get. Oh yeah, God. that's yeah. actually a good way to put it. Yeah. That is a good way to From put like it. From like what you've explained to me and what I've seen, it's like most the of the time barrel rodeo. racers can't ride worth a fuck either. Like it's it's most of the time they're just hold. They're basically shitty bronc riders. <laughs> like they're holding on to the fucking horn and the horse is doing all the work. Like I have so much respect for breakaway ropers and I hope Amen. to God that that continues to be popular at a professional level because yeah. like I'm I'm just fucking sick of seeing the same. Trying to be a pageant queen, like really trying to be a rodeo queen, but not quite pretty enough to do it, and, <laughs> and then not quite being good enough to ride to do a real event. You know, uh, that's barrel racing. Okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> I like barrel racing because it's easy to convert one of their horses into a head horse, which is something that I like to ride. That's mm -hmm. true. Yeah. They ride big horses that like to run. Yeah, I like big horses that like to run. There you go. And and the reason that they're good at being head horses is nope. Because <laughs> <laughs> they watch mom. They <laughs> Dude, I always think about that all the time about like horses at the trailer, just like standing there tied up, and the one horse is just like so. Your owner at the beer gardens too, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, what's your owner doing? I don't know. She came back with some random bull rider dude. <laughs> the trailer's kind of rocking. His hay bags just like swaying. <laughs> I always think of that like girl horses in the pasture, and they're just like, so what's your guys' zodiac sign? <laughs> dude, his water buckets just sloshing yeah, around. Just... It's like, fuck, are we moving again? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest though, bull riders can't make the trailer rock that hard. Let's be fucking real here. There's only for about eight seconds. <laughs> 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 oh fuck. All right. So uh uh, uh I guess we should probably get into the Yeah, album. at some We've, point here. Yeah. We're here for music. Yeah. We're here for music. Yeah. Uh uh so every week on Misfits on Vinyl, we review an album. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a popular one, sometimes it's one of our favorites, sometimes it's a crossover, and sometimes it's one that a guest recommends uh, for us. And this week, we are doing, drum roll, even though you read it in the title, uh, Scorpions, Animal Magnetism. Uh, so this album, uh, first off, what what made you recommend this album? Because I, I really dug it. I was I was uh, surprised. We've had some duds recommended to us in the past. Yes, we certainly <laughs> have. I said I said to Cole, actually, before we came in, I was like, this is an interesting one, because like you could ask me to name a Scorpion song. 
I wouldn't fucking be able to name a Scorpion song. But then when I looked at their their music, I was like, oh yeah, I'll rock you like a hurricane, winds yeah. of change. It's yeah. like that's that's Scorpion, but none of their real big tracks at least on their spotify was off this album so i was curious for the same thing as well why you picked this album specifically yeah so i could i'll give it to you guys in the real short this album is one of the only albums that i will listen to without hitting skip the most mm, that makes sense so a that's big for me b i it wasn't honestly until like four or five years ago that i would like find a song that i like click on the artist and be like hmm, i'm gonna start at album number one I would just listen to music that I really liked. Yeah, yeah. And I've always grown up liking all sorts of music. So when you were like, we need an album, I was like, <laughs> 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 Pressure's on, pressure's I on. I through albums I've listened to. I had a I had a George Strait album picked out, like one of his first ones yeah. and stuff like that. But then I was listening to it, and I hit skip probably four or five times. So I was like, can't do this one. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I love rock and roll. And I love this kind of like the hair metal style yeah and there's a couple songs on here that um for me as a creative i've found those zones where you just find something that feels really good and so that's all you do like when i taught myself to play the piano i would just find riffs on my own and i would just play that riff and then try and add this and you know you just find things that sound really Mm -hmm. good and then when you do you just roll with it right and so there's a couple songs on here where i just i can tell that the artists like you know, the guitarist when he's like, bam, 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 bam. you know, he's just feeling every single time he picks a string. I feel that shit. Mm. Yeah. It's, just, it's nice to listen to. It's easy to just kind of get into, especially driving. Yeah. When you're rodeoing, man, you have so much time. To oh, yeah. To pods, listening to music and stuff like that. Like my buddy Asa Johnson that I traveled with a bunch this last summer, um, he has a music library that's crazy, but he's, you know, he's spent time trucking and hauling cows and, and doing that kind of stuff just have time on your hands and this is one of those albums that i would go to on like a late night drive like i listen to it on the way in here i'll probably listen to it on the way out yeah mm-hmm. it's just a really easy listen for me well and it's funny too because like you mentioned it's kind of that hair metal but it's also it feels like because this was 1980 so it feels like that transition between uh sort of like the uh asia fantasy metal sort of sound uh, going into hair metal almost like it's it's this like in between thing where you can hear like hints of like that late seventies fucking uh, like like massive elements uh, uh, in in terms of the music that make it it sound fantastical but then you hear things in it that are just like oh yeah this sounds like nineteen eighty four I fucking dig this mm-hmm. I felt similarly that it was like felt like the beginning of a a shift in the genre. I felt the same sort of thing. I was actually listening to it this morning when I first got up and it just like fired me up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck yeah. I was just like doing shit, feeding my cats, like fucking <laughs> <laughs> taking a shit, taking a shower, like just like fired up the whole way. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Well, and the other thing that I think is really funny about it is uh, uh, like it starts out so fucking strong mm-hmm. and it just gets better. Like like make it real is, is a really good way for them to start the album off. But like, there's so many tracks on this on this album that I was just like, holy fuck, like, uh, uh, hold on tight, I think it is that like, it, when that came on, I was just like, whoa, they have a power love ballad in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking it fits perfectly. Yeah, Lady Starlight. Oh, too. Yeah. Lady Starlight. So good. Okay, yeah. so this is the seventh studio album by German rock band, the Scorpions. It was released on March 31st. 
1980. Uh, fun fact about this, it was produced by Dieter Dirks, whose revolutionary work with the band attracted acts like Ike and Tina Turner, the Boomtown Rats, War, and Dawkin. Interesting. Uh, now, these these were two fun facts I thought were really interesting. He preferred to work at night, and he recorded two whole albums just exclusively at night. And he uh, started the darts club at the pub next door to the <laughs> studio. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna take a quick dart break. Just gonna take yeah. a quick dart break. I'm gonna go play play a few rounds with the fellas. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, so uh, uh, the other thing that I thought was really cool. So the album cover was done by Storm Thorgensen, uh of the design firm Hypnosis, and uh, as with earlier Scorpions albums, uh, he had also worked on those, but. Unlike of their several, uh, unlike several of their previous albums, uh, the controversy did not result in the cover being replaced with an alternate sleeve. Recalling the cover photo, Thorgensen remarked, "That one was funny. I don't think we figured it out. We just knew that there was something rude somewhere." <laughs> Which I love that album because I was also looking at it and I was like, you know, something about this seems a little sexual, but I can't figure out what it is. <laughs> well, like I literally have it on my phone right now. When I look at it, it's almost just like. You, you have both of them being obedient. That's you know what I'm saying. Yeah. The dog sitting there attentive. She's sitting there attentive. That's actually a good point. So I just mm. kind of looked at it like, what up master? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, when you look at it like that, it's just like, mm, okay, that, he's the boss. Yeah. And it, it's also funny that it's like, they're both obviously like either kneeling or sitting, right? Because of yeah. like where the, the framing is and where his butt is in the frame. Yeah. <laughs> nice butt too. <laughs> also, the crazy thing, that guy was the same one who did the uh, album art for uh, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. Interesting. Like with cool. the fire. Uh, Interesting. So I thought that was a, a crazy little the, fact. Uh, the handshake with the fire? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so it was recorded uh, October in 1979 to February 1980 at Dirk Studio in Stoneland, West Germany, and in Toronto at Manta Sound Studios. That's cool. A little Toronto connection. A little there. Toronto connection. And uh, uh, now uh, another Canadian connection. Melvin Berman played the oboe on this album. Okay. Uh, and he was a Canadian who was known for his work with the Montreal Symphony Orchestra and the Radio Canada Orchestra and for working with some of the biggest conductors at the time. Uh, he died in 2008. Rip. Rip, rip Melvin. But R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> but hey, cool. Another Canadian connection. The goaded Canadian oboe player. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. no better oboist. I will fight you. <laughs> I'm telling you, Melvin is the Michael Jordan of oboe playing. You don't think that you can get the fuck out of here? <laughs> I just imagine too, like they, they they're in a studio in Germany and they're like, "We need someone to play the oboe on this." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, Dieter Dirks is just like, "I've got the guy." Yeah. <laughs> we played darts together. <laughs> We played dots together. Yeah. <laughs> One thing too I wanted to bring up since we were talking about darts. I don't know if you two are familiar with dart culture. No. Uh, so like last year we my family's really into darts, like Newfoundlanders. We have a we have a uh, my grandpa has a party shed with just dartboards in it. Like dedicated <laughs> lights pointed at the dartboard. How many hands have been stabbed by <laughs> yeah, That's a good question. But me and my brother, my brother at his last house, he set up a dartboard in the garage. We started getting into darts, so I started watching darts videos. It's insane. Like over in Europe, there's literally like 
probably five, six thousand people in a stadium watching people throw fucking Fuck. darts. Yeah, and they're all piss hammered and they're losing their minds. Like it's super big in Ireland, super big in England. Really? And the, when the announcer goes, 180. Yeah! Fuck yeah! They're all losing their fucking minds. <laughs> Everybody's pissed. It's like a real interesting little like I don't know. They're into some Dude, weird sports I could over just there. See a big German lady packing around underneath her arm a big old barrel of beer and be like, "Get your beer!" Opening it and Germans just sticking mugs underneath. Get beer! She's just, she's just carrying. It. I was I was genuinely shocked how much of an audience they had to watch people throw. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how does Cowboy Cole get five thousand? Yeah, people yeah. To show up to watch me throw. Well, they're playing for big money <laughs> too. They're playing for big money too like you know fifty thousand euros whatever the fuck they're fuck. for yeah no it's uh it's pretty impressive we're in the wrong business and they're all big fat guys that just drink beer and play darts yeah. none of them are remotely athletic is there uh is there any stipulation that they can't be drunk while they're i don't know but like i'm built like a professional dart athlete <laughs> like <laughs> in the off season the darts they're training for beer olympics yeah. oh yeah could very well be, yeah. <laughs> but yeah they all look like me most of them are bald and like there's no age cap like there's not like a seniors darts tour like, like a wide range of fucking people playing darts it's like i was like enamored i was like went on a deep dive i was watching like highlight clips and like all sorts of stuff it's worth it fuck that is crazy yeah i implore everybody to look up darts. <laughs> some professional dart games i'm definitely gonna look up some professional Dark games. Like the, the announcers are hype. It's amazing. You know what's wild though is watching something where the announcer shouldn't be hype, uh, yeah. uh, being hyped is is almost as impressive as watching someone announcing something that should be hype and they have no energy whatsoever. <laughs> I fucking love watching a bull riding where the announcer is fucking just calling it <laughs> like it's the goddamn Kino numbers. Like <laughs> just fucking, I love that so much. This next person coming out of the shoot. Uh, they're from Okotoks, Alberta. Uh, let's take a word from our sponsor, <laughs> Andy's Tire Works. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. And that score will be 79. 79. Next shoot, shoot number seven. <laughs> it's not like that in darts. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, when they call it 180, it's fucking electric. <laughs> the, room, the room is electric. Yeah. yeah. I felt it, like, through the screen. Like, I felt the, the energy. Okay, now I have a question for you, because speaking of the electric energy, and this is like, I just, I need to ask this, because I've never been to a PBR event that wasn't in a small town. And you've been to like the PBR Canada finals and a bunch of things. How fucking different is the energy in that compared to like a CPRA rodeo? Uh, night and day. Really? Night and day. The PBRs, man, are literally geared to be a fucking show. It's geared to be a rock concert. They don't want conversations in the stands. They don't want you looking over to your friend to see what you're doing after. Mm. They want your eyes on the arena. Whether it's Dakota Butter going 90 or it's Brinch and James doing a fucking backflip off of the pickup man's horse. <laughs> Did you see that? Video? No. Dude, it was fucking insane. What? <laughs> so Brinch going to like crawl all over shit and whatnot. He's, he's like the best rodeo entertain go entertainer going right now. You'll see mm. him at Stampede. But he'll do backflip off of shoots, off the shark cage, everything like that. Well, he crawls on to the back of Wade Grover's pickup horse. And Wade Grover rides massive blue roan pickup horses. And Brett Gardner was on the mic like, oh, Brinson, be careful. We would hate to see you fall. Just jacking with him. And Brinson fucking gets on the back of this horse, looks up at the jumbotron to double check the cameras on him, takes his hat off, 
boom, hucks a backflip off this horse, <laughs> stomps it, and then just runs off like this. Wow. <laughs> sick. That is, that is they're, so much balls to do that, they're, too. They're trying to push boundaries, man. They're trying to bring people in that want to push boundaries. They're, they're just trying to put on a really good show. They're trying to bring in a lot of money through the door so that they can pay the boys. Because that's the thing. I'm, yeah. That's been the really cool thing about getting to be around that PBR Canada group now is how much of a family they are. And, man, when they take you in, they love you and they want to see you do well. And they want to see everybody do well. So it's, it's freaking hype, man. They get that place rocking. Fuck, that's cool. You just yeah. convinced me to flip from the darts to the right. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping off the darts, though. Switching sports. You'll watch some guys get tossed like darts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's go. true. You you'll see You'll see. Uh, 182 bones broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'd much rather watch darts in that rodeo than I'd watch baseball, so I'm uh, 100% down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah, baseball on TV is fucking awful. Yeah. In person, it's nice. It's, it's so much fun in person. person yeah. Yeah. I, I fucking do you do you ever go watch like Okotoks dogs play? I've been to two games. I had a blast both times. I've tried to get back and it just I don't know. It's weird. It seems like I'll have a ticket lined up and then we fly because something else goes on or whatever. Mm. So. Yeah, fuck. But we yeah, need to we need to go to a baseball game soon. Yeah, I like watching baseball in person, but you couldn't pay me to watch it on TV. No. You could pay me to watch it on TV. I yeah. Would, I, would, <laughs> I would get paid to watch things. I, absolutely, actually, now yeah, that you mention yeah. it. Well, maybe I retract my statement. Yeah, like any sort of funds coming in for doing nothing, I would probably take. Yeah. 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 I'll even write a report on it. I, it's yeah, pretty, it's a pretty bad trade I just offered up. Yeah. It's like... uh, Cole, uh, we read your report. What did you think? Well, it was very short-worded. There were a lot of Puerto Ricans. <laughs> <laughs> and four Japanese fellas. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, one last thing about this album that I thought was crazy is the remaster for the CD was done by a guy named Howie Weinberg, who is a... Uh, American audio uh, mastering engineer, and over the course of his career, he has received over 2,257 mastering credits, three uh, technical awards, 21 Grammy Awards, two Junos, and one Mercury Prize. And in 2017, his work on Nirvana's Smells Like Team Spirit was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Let's go. (laughs) It was like, what the fuck? That's cool. (laughs) Can you imagine, though? He's got to fucking do like three albums a week. Over the course of his career to get to that number of. That's super impressive. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's super impressive. Like, that guy does not sleep. I don't know what it takes, what entails mastering and remastering, but I'm. Cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. A lot of cocaine. A lot of Adderall, I think. Yeah. Just all popping Adderall. Like, he's an engineering student. That good LA marching powder. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Yeah, that, you know, that seems like a. I do that and watch baseball at the same time. Get paid for both. Yeah, no yeah. fucking kidding. I get my hyper focus going and just start remastering and yeah, watching baseball. Not a lot of people have seen it snow in L.A. That's that true. Man has. <laughs> that man has fucking made it snow in L.A. <laughs> okay, so uh, about the artist. Uh, okay, so I, I kept it kind of short with the about the artist, but I added some fun facts that I thought were kind of interesting. Cool. Um, so, okay, so Scorpions are a German rock band. We talked about that. They were formed in Hanover in 1965 by guitarist Rudolf Schenker. Uh, the lineup from 78 to 92 was the most successful incarnation of the group, which included Klaus Mein, Rudolf Schenker, Matthias Jabs, uh, or Jabs, 
uh, Francis Buchholz and Herman Rarebell. Uh, the band's only continuous members have been Schechner, although mine has appeared on all of the Scorpions' studio albums, while Jobs has been a consistent member since 1978 and bassist Powell Masaweda. Masaweda. Fucking terrible accent on this. Every, every time you say your name. Powell Masaweda. Masaweda. This and this and uh, reading hip hop artist names are fucking kryptonite. Yeah, I really <laughs> fucked up at hip hop artist. You should get it. Every time we do a hip hop album, he's got to name the producers. Or the... Oh, no. It's hilarious. I'm like D La Sowell. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's the best. <laughs> um, okay, so this is a, a weird uh, fun fact, but Jim Valance, Don Dawkin, and Billy Corgan have all provided vocals on Scorpions albums in the Interesting. past. Interesting. Uh, which I thought was quite interesting. Like, like Dawkins makes sense. Yeah. Billy Corgan does not make sense. Uh, I'm surprised Billy Corgan could actually work with people. <laughs> other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the most impressive fun fact you've given so far. By the by, the end of the fucking recording of that album, they wanted to smash a pumpkin on his <laughs> <Yeah>. head. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Corgan, man, interesting cat. Um, okay, so Rudolf Schechner, the band's rhythm and lead guitarist, uh, launched the band in '65, and at first, the band had. Mazer beat influences and Schechner uh, himself handled the vocals. Uh, he played in a band with Luther Heimberg before he joined the or before he founded Scorpions. Carl Heinz Vollmer left the band in 1967 because of his military obligations. Uh, then he could not associate anymore with the concerts and the military life. Um, things began to come together in 1970 when Schechner's younger brother Michael and vocalist Klaus Mein, who had played together in the Led Zeppelin and Taste cover band Corny uh, Corny uh, Copernicus Copernicus <laughs> fuck me I really <laughs> Samsonite I was real <laughs> you thought you couldn't read holy fuck <laughs> I'm severely dyslexic. <laughs> Fuck off. Why do you get the computer then? I don't know. <laughs> Why I'm, do you get the fucking I'm trying to overcome my dyslexia. Um, breaking boundaries on Misfits on Vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, you keep this up, we're going to have our own TLC special, man. I think this is, this <laughs> <laughs> Little brain, big world. Yeah, little brain, big world. <laughs> If anything, this is just proof of fucking uh, uh, post-concussion disorder. Yeah, That's all this is. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even say it right. Fuck off. I saw the movie with Will Smith. I know what that's all about. CTE. CTE. <laughs> Can't talk either. Yeah. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's what it is. Exactly. I was thinking of what, what, what I was going to say. <laughs> I was yeah, I was literally rifling through my brain. Yeah. First thing that came up was cough tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going anywhere. So. <laughs> Copernicus totally <laughs> enveloped. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Okay, so the Scorpions didn't win any Grammys in their in their time as a band. Yep. Uh but they did win other major awards, including Album of the Year in Germany. Uh, album Art of the Year by Playboy Magazine. Uh, they won multiple Bravo Auto Awards, which is a magazine in uh, in Germany, a music magazine. Several World Music Awards, a Hard Rock Cafe Lifetime Achievement Award. Nice. They and get, <laughs> <laughs> they get mediocre food for life. <laughs> Overcooked steak for life. 
<laughs> the fucking steak there has never seen a day of pink in its life. No, <laughs> you ask for a rare to be a pop. <laughs> 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 they're, they're inducted to the Hard Rock Cafe Hall of Fame, but they have none of their merchandise there. <laughs> It's probably true. I know I went to one. I think I went to the one in New York on a school trip. Yeah. I should go to the one in LA. Yeah. I've never been to one. There you go. I don't know what it is really. It's like the Rainforest Cafe, but rock stuff. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that that's slaps. your thing. If that's your thing. If you're not into frogs and, and monkeys, <laughs> you can always <laughs> you can always go look at guitars and drums while you eat your food. I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, their song Winds of Change was released as the album's third single on January 21st, uh, 1991, and became a worldwide hit just after the failed coup that would eventually lead to the end of the Soviet Union. The song topped the charts in Germany and across Europe and peaked at number four in the U.S. and number two in the U.K., uh, and then it appeared later on the band's 1995 live album, Live Bites, and their 2000 album with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, Moment of Glory, and their 2001 unplugged album, Acoustica. Uh, the band also recorded a Russian-language version of the song under the title, uh, no, no, I'm not well, Yeah, don't it. even try. <laughs> I was going to say, this reminds me of, um, we talked about this before, but like David Hasselhoff's massive in Germany, right? I don't know if you know this. Yeah. He's a big celebrity, but when they were tearing down the Berlin Wall, I'm almost positive this might be a false memory, but I'm pretty sure there's a video of him fucking singing when they're taking down the Berlin Wall. <laughs> I don't, I like, I'm like racking my memory book here, but I'm pretty sure there's a fucking video out there where David Hasselhoff is singing one of his big hits from the 80s. <laughs> Germany. Man, he's an odd duck. Yeah, he is an odd duck. But you know what? Uh I'd love to have him on the podcast. I'd love to, I'd love to eat a cheeseburger with him, honest to God. <laughs> <laughs> that video of him trying to eat a cheeseburger when he's fucked up is is top class. <laughs> I don't think I've seen no, that. he was like fucking super wasted and like I think they were using this in like his divorce trial or something. Oh, no. oh fuck. He's, oh, no. he's fucked up eating a cheeseburger like lying on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like right after he was in the SpongeBob movie. It's like <laughs> Okay. Remember when he was uh, uh, a judge on America's Got yeah, Talent? Uh, what a fucking weird time that was. Because I remember every single contestant, he would be like, he would kind of make I want to fuck you eyes at them. <laughs> and he'd turn like, well, that was amazing. <laughs> remember Pierce Morgan was a fucking judge? Yeah. What the fuck does he know about talent? <laughs> He's a news host. What the fuck? Dude, Howard Stern was a judge on That's it as like well. Having, like local weatherman Dave Spence. <laughs> like, yeah. at your, at your fucking... And today's guest, Ray Charles. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, they had the worst host, like Ozzy Osbourne's wife. Yeah. 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 Like... <laughs> Which. By the way, this is a fun little random piece of music history, but uh, she had a beef with uh, the Insane Clown Posse in the 90s because she repped a band that had like one hit single and they got booked to open for ICP. And after two concerts, the band was like, OK, you're not like a good match for like opening for us. And, and you know, you're not selling merch like you're, you're just like not selling anything. Mm -hmm. So they kicked them off the tour. And this was three years after their like one hit single as well. Yeah. So then. Uh, Sharon Osbourne went on Howard Stern and was talking shit about them. So they went on Howard Stern and were like, all right, fuck you. First off, your band sucks. You fucking don't know what you're talking about. All this shit. And so then she made a bet with them. She bet them $50,000 that their next album would be a flop and that they were like done. 
the next album went four times platinum <laughs> and they fucking did a massive stadium tour to promote it so they keep going where's our money bitch and then the best part about it is when she got cancer and she like ended up being clear they were like glad that your cancer is clear now you can pay us that 50 grand you <laughs> they were like, thank no. God she didn't take it to the grave. Yeah, no fucking uh, kidding. That's amazing. Um, okay, so with estimated sales of 14 million copies sold worldwide, Wind of Change is one of the best-selling singles of all time. Mm. It holds the record for the best-selling single by a German artist, and the band pre- uh, presented a gold record in $70,000 of royalties from the single to Mikhail Gorbachev in 1991, nice. with <laughs> Soviet news sources claiming the money would be allocated to children's hospitals. Uh, <laughs> and it went, went right into Roman Abramovich's pockets. <laughs> All the oligarchs is like, "Well, we got the wind of change royalties." Yeah, yeah. That that money actually just paid for the Kursk. That's all it did. Yeah, yeah. New, new yacht, new yacht. <laughs> Have you fucking? Do you know the story of the Kursk? No. Okay, so when uh, when Putin was the uh, prime minister of Russia, mm-hmm. like way back in the day when they had a prime minister and not a president. Uh, he was holding like military games uh, in like the uh, near like the Arctic, right? Yeah. And they had this submarine called the Kursk, and it was the size of a fucking football field. It was massive, uh, and it had like five chambers. Well, they they uh, were supposed to have uh, like blank shells in their uh, in their gun at the front of it to shoot, and it actually they had a live round, and it blew up the front of the sub, and it sunk the sub, and all the news sources were like being told that like the sub was fine for weeks and so the families were just like oh this is totally chill and uh then putin was like yeah the sub it sunk (laughs) (laughs) they are gone they are gone tough shit and and, and, like there was like just like it was it was like a yeah they're dead shut up (laughs) family get no money while the winds of change play in the background (laughs) (laughs) and we're still looking for that titanic yeah oh yeah well that's disintegrated that's gone Oh fuck! Yeah, that's a good point. That one's gone. Yeah, that one just imploded. I, uh, I I've been uh, so I have a joke about it in my act, and I, I this guy in Halifax came up to me after a show, and he's like, "Hey, so fun fact, I actually worked on the recovery mission for the Titan," and I was like, "What?" And he told me about it, and apparently, like. He was telling me, he's like, yeah, we knew immediately that it was fucking gone, but it was kind of a, like a media, like they needed to yeah. put up a facade for the media so that it was like, oh, they could be alive still at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> like, that thing was a fucking, they knew immediately. They're like, we lost contact. They're dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Change the batteries on the Logitech. Yeah, well, it's literally the same controller. I put like NHL 04 on my fucking yeah. computer. Like, it's like, like somebody let the cafeteria know we're gonna be four plate short. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guys. Oh, uh, imagine paying two hundred fifty thousand dollars for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Dude, a I lot. almost paid three hundred for a blowjob in Vegas, bro. So I couldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't on that, you know what I'm saying? And that's probably just as dangerous, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was the fucking Motel Six across from the Gold Coast. Not a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas. Any any Motel Six in Vegas? There's like so many other hotels you can stay at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like every hotel is cheap in Vegas, but you decide to stay at the Motel Six. That's keep profits. Up, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every every other hotel, you get a hotel room in Vegas for like thirty bucks on the street. Yeah. 
<laughs> Dude, so now I have a question. Was that the hotel that the, the Cowboy Channel put you up at? Nicole, <laughs> <laughs> we're really excited to send you back again this year. Uh, room at the Motel 6. I'm going to stop you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get stabbed in my sleep by a bed bug. <laughs> that's a step over going down and putting a bed in the tunnels underneath. Yeah. That's like that's like a small skip from going down to the tunnels. No doubt. No. Okay, that so, is the gateway drug. So the <laughs> Motel Six. <laughs> <laughs> the last, the last part about the artist that I want to, uh, I want to get into is, uh, uh, so, uh, rock you like a hurricane, which was number 25 on the U S billboard hot 100, uh, contributed to the, like that album's success. Uh, and it, the MTV, uh, video was in heavy rotation in 2006 VH one named rock you like a hurricane number 31 on their 40, uh, greatest metal songs of all time. It's nice. a great one. It's a great one. All right, that one gets a lot more radio play Dude, than any other one. other yeah. tracks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one that I think you would get the more radio play. Even though, like, I guess Winds of Change is their bigger hit, but yeah. I would probably, you know, lean more towards Rocky Like a Hurricane being their most recognizable song. And that's yeah. also like one of like four songs that kicks off every bull riding. It's true. <laughs> it's literally I know, like, like I know. Yeah, it's true. And, <laughs> no, but you know, like it's yeah. like it's either Rocky Like a Hurricane. Uh, Raise a little hell by Trooper. Yeah. Uh, uh, ACDC's uh, Thunderstruck, yeah. or it's uh, Nickelback's uh, Going Out Tonight. It's I'm, one of those four songs. I'm blanking on the what's the name of it, but it's like boom, boom, boom. Oh, boom. Uh, we will rock yeah. you. Will yeah, rock you. I have a video of me getting the shit stomped out of me by a, a bullet uh, Swift Current while that song is playing. <laughs> he was you feeling it. Rocked. Yeah, <laughs> I got rocked. <laughs> That bull's name was Prairie Dog. I he got was rocked in Speedy Creek. <laughs> Leaving the hospital, thumbs up. Well, his thumbs are sideways. <laughs> I, I tried. I got rocked. <laughs> He's got witch fingers. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we already talked about some of the uh, tracks on the album, but the singles that came off this album were uh, Lady Starlight, Make It Real, and The Zoo. Uh, all great tracks, but something that I thought uh, should have been a single was 20th Century Man. I felt like that was a really strong track that would have would have probably done well on the radio. Yeah. Uh, especially around that time when, you know, it, it sounds a lot like a lot of the Rush songs that were out at the mm. time that were like getting heavy radio rotation. Um, okay, so reception on the album. Uh, it was number 76 on the uh, Canadian top albums, uh, number 12 in Germany, 37 in Sweden, 23 in, in the UK, and 52 on the US Billboard 200. Uh, it was certified gold in Canada and platinum in the US. Uh, and all music has it rated at a 2.5 out of 5, but Weak. the Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal has it as a 10 out of 10, and Rolling Stone gave it a favorable review. Favorable. Hmm. But Rolling Stone's also a... The, we have our we have our gripes with music yeah Rolling, Rolling Stones. What's his fucking name? The guy from the Rolling Stones that always comes up. I forget his fucking uh, name. No, that guy's from a different magazine, Cody. but it's Stephen Tom, uh, Earlwine Thomas or yeah, Thomas that Earlwine. Guy, that guy's a bitch. He's a he's a knob. <laughs> we disagree with everything. He everything says. he says. Anytime he comes up in our reviews, we're like, fuck that. He's guy. a fucking moron. Yeah, fuck I mean, cool. the one thing that pisses me off about the Rolling Stone is that they they rate everything differently. Like, yeah. There's no consistency in what their rating is. So one album will be out of 10. One will be out of five stars. And then one will be like favorable, non-favorable. We like it. We don't like it. Yeah. Like, it's all over the place. This one's 12 dill pickle chips out of 20. And you're <laughs> yeah. just like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, okay. So every episode on the podcast, we rate the album and mm -hmm. we rate it out of 10. 
Uh, we rate it on technical, musical, lyrical, album art, reception, and does it hold up? Uh, so let's start off with technical. Um, I would say for technical, uh, the technical elements on this album, I think it's interesting because it was doing a lot of things that a lot of other metal albums were not doing in terms of what they were layering and what they were mixing uh, and basically how they were uh, composing the album in general was a lot different than a lot of metal uh, albums that were popular at the time or what people were considering metal, you know? Um, so I would probably, I'd, I'd rock it at a 7.5 out of 10. I'd say that technically the recording quality is pretty crisp. I mean, mm -hmm. you can hear the different layers. I like, I know it's kind of more of a musical thing, but I like how punchy the drums are. Um, and you can like really hear when he's hitting the ride symbol, hitting the crash symbol, it really punches through. Yeah. Um, same with the snare. Um, I don't know. I think technically I'm probably going to go at a seven. Seven? Um, Cause you know, we're technical experts on this show. So we are technical yeah. experts. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, personally, I'm going with an eight mostly nice. because I picked it. <laughs> and secondly, because I agree big time with you. I, I fucking love symbols smashing. But I don't – my ears are very sensitive, so I hate when that is almost too much where I have to turn it down or it takes away from a guitar solo or whatever, yeah. right, you know? So I feel like I find um, I can hear those distinct where they put a little emphasis onto the cymbals to get almost a point across in the song, but then you can hear, you know – whatever they have yeah it punches and it that. punches in the right place I yeah this is yeah. What, what i was was trying to say because you're right i think there's uh certain certain genres and certain styles of music where like i, I know like fucking real heavy death metal and stuff like that it's all you hear is yeah. like the double bass pedals, yeah. and it fucking drives me mad like i know some people really are into that not me not my cup of tea so i think it's a nice balance yeah on the mixing on this album i i agree so i think uh so averaging that's a 7.5 nice out of 10 uh, musical element well that one was easy <laughs> <laughs> that one was so yeah, easy okay, let's start let's start let's start throwing him some weird numbers here now let's make it fun all right so musically musically it's really interesting because uh we were talking about uh, you talked about the drums you like both of you talked about the drums and i think the drums really are a standout on this album but i also like the i do like i love the guitar riffs and i love how there was uh, some classical instruments that were added to this that really amplified the sound without overtaking it it wasn't like listen to this orchestrated metal song like mm -hmm. it wasn't like the trans-siberian orchestra it was like oh shit, this is just a metal song that happens to have these instruments in it. Uh, I think that uh, the like it's got a pretty consistent tone in the album, but the diversity in the fucking, uh, in the sound is still there track to track. So musically, I'm going to go an 8.5 out of 10. I agree with what you're saying. I'm going to go with 7.333 repeating. 7.333 repeating, <laughs> yeah, okay. Just for the hell of it. <laughs> I'm going to go 8.69999. 8.6999. Okay, so. <laughs> Don't act like you're about to do this fucking math. <laughs> 8.27 out of 10. And then the other one was uh, 7.5. So then that is averaged at 7.8 out of 10. Okay, we're at 7.8 out of 10. Someone cue the Elliot Smith. It's Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. He's fucking staring at the board. Staring at the board. I can't read, but I can do math. Yeah, okay. Uh, lyrical. Okay, the lyrical. Uh, okay, lyrics on this album are interesting because um, most, uh, like a lot of these songs are love songs mm -hmm. uh and and so uh you know there's only a couple of songs that aren't uh that don't have the idea of romance at the core of it yeah. um so i would say in terms of uh diversity of lyrics there's not it's not 
you know, there's not a big range, but I would say the lyrics themselves on each song, I like that they add a lot for interpretation and that they're not just spelling shit out for you in, in mm. some instances. I like that they kind of just, they have a lot of metaphors that uh, uh, they don't finish. I kind of like that because it makes me want to uh, think in my own head what, what is going to be. Do you think be. that was purposeful or just <laughs> accidental? You know, I think on their seventh studio album, I would hope it's purposeful. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I found I wasn't really paying close attention to the lyrics. 7.25. Yeah, I wasn't paying that close <laughs> close attention to the lyrics for me it was more about the the overall sound than it was what was being said mm -hmm. um that's kind of my takeaway like the four or five times i listened to it wasn't really the lyrics wasn't really something i cued in on um as particularly like a strong point mm -hmm. um, i think it, overall it it benefits the sound but i wouldn't think there were like anything incredibly poignant or anything like that there was no lines i was like oh that's quotable or anything like that so i'm gonna come at like a six and a half i think lyrically six and a half yeah. okay I'm gonna go with a seven. You're gonna go with a seven? Yeah. All right. Well that's that's pretty easy because that's uh six point nine. Mm -hmm. And then plus a seven eight. It brings it down. Yeah, it's at a uh seven point seven point six five right now. Nice. Okay, so uh album art, I would go I would go high on this because I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, and, and it's like, you know, it's obviously not as, uh, not as uh, iconic as the one with the guy with his eyes taken out or anything like that. Um, like I do think that they have better album art, but I do find it interesting because, you know, like they mentioned, it was controversial without them having to say what was mm. controversial and people couldn't really pin it down. I think that, uh, when something is up to, uh, you know, interpretation, like you mentioned, like, uh, the idea of obedience and that could be maybe what was fucking taken as like rude from people. Right. Yeah. But I, I also like that that's your interpretation of it because they fucking don't say what it is that they're trying to get across with that. Right. Um, so I would probably go, I'm going to go 7.5 on El Mart. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think you're making a good point. It's not really a iconic piece of album art if you were to you know look at a you know just say a hundred different albums i don't know if it would be one that would stand out as you know one of the you know most iconic album arts of all time but i don't think it's a bad album cover mm -hmm. i think it is kind of dated for the time it looks like an album from the late 70s early 80s yeah i think it you know it's that style as you could probably pick out a dozen other albums that look you know maybe not in content but similar sort of composition um, so I, I'm going to go a seven on it, I think. Seven? Yeah. I'm going nine out of ten. Nine, nine out, out of ten? ten? Fuck I yeah. fucking love it, man. I honestly <laughs> wish he was wearing Wranglers or Kimes jeans. <laughs> just to give it that fucking cooler uh, butt patch right there yeah. in the back pocket. I, I love that, man. Because like, when I look at it, I'm like, damn, I, I want to find somebody that looks at me with love like that. <laughs> like, this motherfucker left an impact on this girl. Man, I mean, we look at each other like that, so yeah. we got that going for us. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, last, uh, the Steely Dead one, our, our thumbnail was like us looking at each other. I was tempted to put a heart Because <laughs> you, you had those eyes. Yeah, you know? we, we, had, we had fuck me eyes at yeah, each other. those glasses really make your eyes like... They, they, they bigger too. They bring out the lust in my yeah. eyes. They bring out the dollar. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're sick. Like All right, so so now the uh, we're at a seven point seven five for the album art. So altogether, that is a seven point seven right now. Uh, reception. 
what's weird about it is that uh, I think that people that love the genre appreciate this album a lot more than, uh, uh, you know, all music is this aggregate that fucking mm-hmm. takes every review ever made and they throw it all together. So the problem is you get, you get uh, you know, reviews like from people like Stephen Thomas Erlewine who will probably be like, well, it's not sniffing the farts out of my ass. Uh, so I think, I think it's got to be in the middle, though, because not yeah. only was it, you know, critic like critically wise, criticism wise, it was split down the middle. People loved it. People didn't like it. But charting wise, too, it didn't chart super high um you yeah know, globally because we've had a lot of albums that have split people down the middle but they charted really yeah. well too right so i think it's got to like at least for me it's got to be in the middle somewhere there i but, would i would say the one thing i'll throw in though is it did go platinum in the u.s true with with very little radio play that's which what, is a million that's a million million sold so that's pretty impressive and that's a million hard copies sold yeah yeah hmm. and it went gold in canada which is only like ten thousand uh fifty thousand fifty thousand k uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a 5.5. 5.5. Okay, I'm gonna go a six even. Six even. I'm gonna go seven even, and I'll tell you why. Because I feel like this genre, this band, it was kind of like a. I viewed it as it's somebody that my mom wouldn't like me listening to, but you, I, you start to build your identity. Like, no, I, I like this. I like the way these boys play these guitars. I like the way these boys play the drums. I like the way they put it together. I like this music. Nice. Yeah, no, saying. that makes sense. That's a, that's a valid that's a valid point. You personally received it very well. Yeah. So nice. so that one uh, for reception, we're at a six point two five out of ten. Nice. And then altogether, that means uh, we were at a seven point seven five or seven point seven. So that brings it to uh, seven point four out of ten. Nice. Uh, does it hold up? I'd say yes. You say yes. I'd say it's tough for me. Like I always have tough with, with like a very specific type of genre that's dated i always have this debate like does it hold up yes the music still sounds good but does it hold up sound wise i mean not a lot of music does hold Mm -hmm. up sound wise if it was made you know 30 40 years ago i think tentatively i'm gonna say yes it holds up okay um it's a tentative yes a tentative yes Yes. that's tough because i think they'll have some songs that will forever hold up Mm -hmm. but there you know there's some songs in this album that will eventually just drift away you know what i'm saying yeah so uh out of 10 no, I just said t- yes or no. Oh, I'll go yes. Yeah. yeah. All or, right. Or maybe. You could say a maybe, too. So I'm we're going to go maybe. We're at a 7.4 out of 10. Yeah. You always re- want me to round up. No, round down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say a 7.5 out of 10. 7.5 out of 10. That's... Just leave it as a 7.4. What's the... What's the beef? I don't know. I only like you to round up on the albums I love. <laughs> What's your beef? <laughs> okay, so, so seven point five out of ten. Seven point five out of ten. That a lot puts, of our albums fall in this, which mid. is kind of the average of grades I got in high school too. Seven, seven, seven. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's pretty good. Good for you. Yeah. You're, you're the smartest one in the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Congratulations. I was homeschooled. <laughs> I wish I was homeschooled. (laughs) That always brings me back to that fucking class we took. We took this bullshit class in university together. And at the end of the year, everybody ended up with a B plus. Everybody in the room. I didn't even think I wrote 
on the like the final quiz, like I think I got a B plus on the final test or whatever. I think I bullshitted like a good, like I don't even think it was marked. I did not hand in a yeah. single essay. Yeah, I did I not read a anything. single book. And we all got B plus <laughs> at the end of the year. I was like, what'd you get? B plus? And like the kids that were like, you know, smart were like, fuck this. This is bullshit. And I was like, B plus? Fuck yeah, dude. The tryhards were really mad, but yeah. the professor was like, well, the thing is, if you just show up, that's most of it. If yeah. you just show up, that's doing the work. I didn't even really do that, though. <laughs> I didn't even do that yeah. either. I was like, fucking 8 a.m. on a Tuesday? Eat my shit. I'm yeah. not going to that. Yeah, that was fucking, yeah, I just remember that because everyone got a B plus, and I was, like, super stoked. And then I remember this one girl was like, this is bullshit. I can't believe it. I was definitely more than the B plus. <laughs> you know it's a trash class from your professor leads with, if you just show up, you're gonna get a good grade. You've already, yeah. you've already played your hand. Well, you know it's a you know it's a trash class when like the guys on the football team are in your class. Yeah. <laughs> For real, right? The all the uh, undisclosed majors are in your class, and it's also funny because like he would point to the football player each week and like this is this is awful. I don't know how this guy hasn't. He got tenured after he yeah. threw a fucking student in like a rehearsal. He used to be like crazy alcoholic, and he threw a fucking student in a theater rehearsal. And then he had to like take a sabbatical. Yeah. And then he came back and was tenured. And then oh, yeah. uh, in this class, there was one football player that every single week he would point to this guy and go, "Well, you see, when he uh, does athletic stuff, he's be- he's built different than the rest of you." The guy was black, and he was saying this, and I'm just like, "What the fuck?" How I, I just remember him like. We were talking about like you know ancient Greek plays and shit, and he'd like ask the guy to compare it to football. <laughs> yeah, which I'm like, you can't it's make like everything. It's like when the quarterback. Is. <laughs> I also made a lot of people hate me in that class because I was like, I was like uh, 21 when I went to you university. Hard though. I did not troll. You I got fucking. Troll. I got very pissed off because I was paying for my education and I felt like that class was a waste of my fucking time. And it was just past when we could like drop the class and take another one and. Uh, we're sitting in a giant circle and everyone in the class is like, I would like to change the way that the class works because I don't feel comfortable talking in front of people. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing right now? And so I listened to that for two hours and then I grabbed a microphone on the table and I was like, do you mind if I speak? And the professor was like, I feel like you're going to. And I was like, yeah, because what I'm going to say is important. You realize all you fucking people are in a drama class and you're worried about speaking in front of people, right? And like, I just fucking tore off on these kids and then they were like, he's a spaz. I'm like, yeah, I fucking am. Yeah, I am. I'm mad that you're wasting my goddamn money you morons well at the time i wanted to make a slight correction the government was paying for your education now <laughs> now, now you're I'm paying, paying for, for your education. education but back then you weren't you weren't uh, now i'm paying for my lack of back education then you were, you, back then you were just casting <laughs> cashing checks you couldn't pay that's true we all were, we all were. Uh, it was a fun time it was the best all right so the government time before we get out of here uh what are what are some places people can find you social media Cowboy underscore Cole, cowboy with a nine, not a Y. Mm-hmm. Cowboy, as a lot of people like to say it. Um, we're going to be in Vegas here in less than a week now, I guess. So if you're going to be kicking around Las Vegas, we'll be down there. Nice. And hoping to get back down here and do a bunch of shows when I get home from that. You're pumping out lots cool. of content, too. Dude, daily. I've, I've seen your, yeah, like where our, our podcast page follows you. And anytime I go on the podcast page, like I'm always seeing the shit you're posting. So yeah. props to you. That's not an easy thing to do. Man, yeah. I've. I've I've really tried to commit to this is what I want to do. I've, you know, I tried to be the business guy when I was younger. I, I fucking love words. I love jokes and mm-hmm. I love what I know, which is rodeo and roping and cowboys and everything like that. And when I finished working on Wind River earlier this year, I was, I'm, I want to go 100% in on this. 
fucking getting the merch ramped up and everything like that, getting more microphone work, trying to do more comedy because that's opening crazy doors. Like, mm-hmm. just trying to go for it, man. And the best way to do that is be in their face, I guess, you know? So yeah, 100%. It's not even like, I mean, like, that's something we've encountered even on in our trying to do our podcast is the the content always having stuff to put out there always you know and it's not even like i think you'll find that you found that fine balance too where it's you're not overloading people with your face either you know you're posting quality stuff also you know in quantity Mm -hmm. which is the the hard thing to do is you're posting good stuff at a regular rate consistently so i applaud you for what you're doing i see like i said i see in your stuff every time i go on you're either doing stories you got new videos coming out so uh big props to you cowboy cole thank you sir i Uh love to do it man i love to wake up and write jokes and go film it hell yeah literal dream job like the other day uh me and my filmer we had a meeting and we zoom called in my other buddy lambert and having like that writer's room get together and pitching ideas and i love that let's work on it you you find the jokes as you work on it that's my literal dream job, man. I mm-hmm. love that shit. And then you go film it. And you go have a blast with your friends filming what you just made each other laugh in the shack. And then you go do it. Well, some of that, too, is that's the hardest stuff to do is just to fucking dive in and do it. Yeah. Not overthink it. Not try to be, you know, perfectionist about it. Some of the hardest work to do is just actually doing it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we talked about doing this podcast for I don't know how long before we actually went Years. And sat down and fucking did it yeah so actually doing the thing and doing it consistently is the hard part right so it and and honestly like that's the other thing too is like aaron mentioned the quality like the fact that the quality is staying consistent too and you're not like you're not dipping in the quality of what you're putting out which i think is also really fucking difficult to do mm-hmm. in the world that we live in where you have to be putting out content consistently yeah. uh because you see a lot of people maybe get success and then the quality starts to dip right and uh i think that's that's something that's really impressive is that you're not letting the quality dip while you're still like constantly doing and also doing what you know yeah like that's a big thing too like i know i personally dealt with this when we got on the podcast is like there's a weird thing a balance of like getting comfortable and just being yourself yeah Yeah. and like it took us a couple episodes just to actually be ourselves oh yeah on camera and not really give a fuck and that's a big part of it is just doing you and letting you be you i don't have to be anybody else i don't have to like before when we first started like uh, i don't know if we even really talked about this i used to kind of think about what i was gonna say before we got on the podcast i would have a couple ideas in my mind about what i was gonna say and i would like kind of force it into the conversation at certain points like oh i I thought before this i thought about this i wanted to say that i want to say that don't really do that anymore and yeah it's been great for me i don't have to think about it uh, I just, you know, say what I think in the moment, what I'm feeling, and they don't have to actually, you know, put a lot of forethought into it. Because before I was, like, really thinking about, oh, I want to say this about it. I want to say that. <laughs> yeah. about that. I had written a joke for this or written a joke for that, right? I, I, don't, I don't do that anymore. Well, and it's also, it's also interesting, too, because, uh, like, uh, okay, I want to mention it before we get off as well. Where can people get the I Heart Hot Rodeo Moms and Fuck I Heart yeah. Hot Rodeo Dad shirts? Cowboycool.com. Same deal. Cowboy with an I. Um, everything's set up on the website ready to rock and roll use code cowboy c-o-w-b-o-i to get uh 15 off the first order hell yeah okay. yeah okay well i will make sure that we add that to the links underneath and uh we'll have all your social media links there too okay. uh but if somebody's listening to it and they don't feel like clicking on it and they feel like typing shit out they mm-hmm. can they can go and do that type it out as you're listening to it yeah type <laughs> it out as you're listening to it we'll, multitask we'll play it in super <laughs> slow motion that was a fun conversation yeah uh, that was a fun fun episode thank you so much for coming on man thanks for having me this place is sweet i think what you guys are doing is sweet
yeah shout out to shout out to cax for having us yeah back yeah. where we might be back again we don't know yet yeah this so, is our our last episode for now here uh I, I guess we should mention like this episode comes out next wednesday uh so uh i'll be in los angeles next wednesday oh, yeah, um so uh, anybody that wants to come out and see me at one of the shows please do it come see um, this, man. it's gonna be fun it's gonna be my first time in america land uh i'm excited um I'm very You've stoked. You've never been to the U.S.? Well, I've been to, like, Montana yeah. and fucking Idaho, but... Uh, it doesn't really count. It doesn't count. <laughs> fucking Kalispell isn't the same as L.A., well, you know? L.A. should open your eyes. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Uh, and the other thing that I should mention is uh, the last episode that we're recording this year is our Christmas episode. Fuck yeah. Uh, so we're going to have a, a special Christmas special. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, anal contusions. <laughs>